Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 607 with a review of The Vast of Night. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we already had a review of End of Sentence, which is in the feed before this episode. And now you're listening to our review of The Vast of Night, um, which is a fun little paranormal film that came out on Amazon Prime this past weekend. Um, so, Stephen Miller, do you enjoy delves um, into like alien mythology and stories about... Uh, paranormal visits from outer space and things like that i i think i do to the extent that they feel nostalgic like i i inevitably tie this stuff with spielberg because i, I was not really an x-files fan okay. i don't have a lot of modern things to compare these alien stories to so i think of close encounters of the third kind which is a movie that when i was a kid my dad owned the vhs of it and i would just watch it over and over like <laughs> i've seen close encounters so many times and i do like it it has a I am famously a bit of a wimp, like horror movies, things that are <laughs> scary tend to not be up my alley, but paranormal things like that have a sort of, they're still creepy, but th there's a, something warm about them. Like there, there's certain guardrails in there where I can enjoy what I'm watching and it, it becomes less about terror and more about the unknown and the kind of mysterious universe that we live in. And I think, I think I like that. Then again, I do have limits. Like even Signs, the movie, there were moments that really scared me there. So I definitely can be a wimp even when it comes to alien <laughs> movies. But I, I like it. I don't know. It, it It's the kind of thing that you would think I would read more about because there's this whole rabbit trail you can go down of like mythologies and events that have never been explained. The kind of stuff that X-Files use to make many of their episodes. You know, you could go yeah. deep into that stuff and... I have just never tried. I just enjoy the mystery. I like watching movies that tell the story occasionally and then forgetting for the rest of my life. So I'm, <laughs> I'm relatively into them, but I don't know that much about the lore. What about you? Yeah, I, I was wildly obsessed with aliens when I was younger. Um, I probably burned way too many of... Um, my parents ink cartridges printing out like project blue book and all like lists of unidentified things i you know in the early days of of uh internet i was trolling it wasn't even forums it was just finding weird websites where people had stories and tales of old alien things i was obsessed with the x-files when it was on the air um I yeah I just think throughout my life I've really enjoyed stories of alien aliens and sort of the conspiracies that go along with them. Um, I mean, obviously was obsessed with um, you know stories of Roswell and stuff like that. Um, and and I think it just offers. I I mean it really comes down to like Mulder's poster in the X-Files where it says, I want to believe it's not like a strict thing where it's like, Oh no, aliens done been visiting us and, and they're going to come back and take us again. Um, it's mostly like, <laughs> a, I really love the idea of beings from another world coming here and ex like, you know, picking up people and doing experiments on them, you know, anything like I just, it was really, really, um, a, a thing that was ingrained in who I was and in, whenever there were stories to watch that talked about this sort of subject um, I just ate them up um, so when we first saw the trailer for this film I was pretty stoked <laughs> 
I was going to say, I did used to play a lot of Tony Hawk Pro Skater on the PlayStation, <laughs> and there was a Roswell uh, level. <laughs> and if you got into this certain area, then there's an alien laying on a table that in some kind of passageway. And I have distinct memories of that kind of creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep. Um, unrelated or related, but unimportant to this podcast. Did you hear that they're remastering Tony Hawk 1 and 2? I didn't. No. Wow. That's exciting. So, I was just I, watching Tony Hawk videos the other day because he, <laughs> a few years ago, he did a, I think it's a 960, a nine, a nine something, um, nine, t- 900. Sorry. Yeah. 900. There's a trick <laughs> that he did many years ago that kind of got him world renowned. It was the first time it had ever been done in competition. And then a few years ago, he came back on the anniversary of it. And he was like, today, I'm not going to leave until I can pull a 900 again. And you just watch him like <laughs> jumping and falling repeatedly. And, and then he lands dead. it. No, <laughs> no, he lands it and everyone cheers and he throws his helmet down and says, all right, I'm out. And he leaves. <laughs> and <he's just> like, <laughs> that is the end of the video. He's like, I did it. I'm never doing it again. Not, not to keep us going off this train that's away from the station that we're trying to talk about here, um, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that's interesting about watching extreme sports and things like that is um, every year they're doing stuff that never could have been done before, and then every year you're like if you if you leave and you don't pay attention to the next year's thing, and then and then you're here you're talking to somebody else who's watched the latest X Games or something. you'll hear about like somebody doing like a triple backflip on a motocross bike and you're like that's impossible and then you go on youtube and you're like holy shit and it's just it's it's crazy the stuff people are willing to do and uh how many times they will attempt it before successfully landing it um definitely and as long as we're on this tangent i have to say the soundtrack to the original tony hawk pro skater very formative (laughs) for my adolescence you had dead kennedy's goldfinger primus you had suicidal tendencies was on there it was it was a good mix yep it's good times (laughs) yep all right well steven it is time for us to get back to the story at hand which is that of the vast of night um so what do you say we take a listen to the trailer for the vast of night and then come back and give these folks who we just put through long tangents a review (laughs) roger roger bacon bacon (laughs) 970 number WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. Now, what would you like to tell us about yourself? I don't know. Well, aren't you like some big science girl? Tell me about science. Everett, it's Faye. I'm the sound king for the board and interrupted your radio show. What a sound What's going on, Everett? 718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. I can tell you what's going on. The sound we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could fly. They've come here before. 
They've liked this place. They always have. So that was the trailer for The Vast of Night. And it basically follows a um, late night radio jockey. What are they called? I don't, I don't know what radio people are called. But uh, basically, there's, there's, a, there's a young man who works at a radio station late at night. And he's in a very, very small town where like the entirety of the town is at the local high school basketball game. Um, and there is a young woman who he's sort of befriended who works the... The switchboard um, at the call center, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. Um, But essentially, one evening, a strange sort of sound comes over the radio waves and it sends these two on a little adventure to try to track down what is making the sound um, and where it's coming from and what it all means. Stephen Miller, what did you think of The Vast of Night? um jj abrams eat your heart out i i loved this movie i i was not expecting to i was not that excited to watch it the concept didn't really pull me in but i thought it was just such a inventive exercise in minimalism in using like audio and noise and murky film techniques to really play with your senses and build a sense of dread without that much behind it. Um, I mean, this really plays like a radio drama or like an episode of Radio Lab. Like it, it just is, it fades between a few really long takes, long discussions. And it, I just think it really masterfully builds this tone, which is not scary. It, it is not fully playful. It is not fully thrilling. It's just this, very like Amblin-esque nostalgic romp through the Twilight Zone, right? Through like 1950s middle America and the kinds of stories you would hear there and the the limitations. There's something really tactile, really physical about this, which I loved. Like the, the physical switchboard plugging cables in and out, you know, the physical radio, the logistics of getting from one place to another the the real-time nature of this movie it at least plays as if it were a hundred percent real-time like you are watching characters moving through this space um i thought it had a lot of warmth to it like this movie really just opens in the thick of it 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 lets you know right away what the tone is going to be long takes fast talking ease like a light dialogue especially there's a long period of time where Faye and Everett are walking around interviewing people and it just has this like this patter right of like an old-timey Americana story um 
and then it just slowly becomes more and more strange and very close <laughs> encounter um, in in ways that I, I don't think I can even spoil because it's kind of obvious what sort of thing this movie is doing, whether or not there is truth behind it can, you know, remains a mystery. But the, the thing the movie is doing, I think is pretty clear. It is telling one of these super extraterrestrial stories from the limited vantage point of people who don't have the technology to do much about it. Um, there's a conversation in this movie where Faye is describing a story she read about the future. They're going to have vacuum tube transportation. Um, people are going to have cameras inside their phones by the year 2000. And it, I don't know, it just had this really enjoyable retro vibe that just put me immediately in the headspace of these characters. And I thought it, it just felt like a winking kind of delightful nod to this genre and i don't know normally an exercise and something like that would have a hard ceiling for me in terms of how much i could enjoy it but i i was just a hundred percent vibing with this movie i had a big dumb grin on my face the long interviews and conversations just worked on me a hundred percent i was completely hooked and yeah i i really loved this little movie i was very impressed with it yeah i i see this film as i mean it's it's at times it's overtly so which honestly kind of graded with me like i don't like the narrative framing of the this is an off-brand twilight zone episode um Mm. the like starting with the fake twilight zone intro and then going into the set top box and kind of repeatedly bouncing back out to that yeah you could lose that and like have nothing really lost from the story yeah I, i i felt that sort of grinded on me a little bit but i think the actual story that we're getting does feel like a throwback to an old um you know an old episode of the twilight zone or you know things of that type and i I really loved that nostalgia hit um i what i love like at the beginning of the the episode i was talking about how i really really love these old conspiracy stories and and tales of you know the military crew that helped pick up a uh a ship that had crashed and things like that. And I love the idea of like older folks who know this history, who've been keeping quiet this entire time. And then now are coming forth to kind of like give more information to characters who are experiencing something. And I I ate that shit up in this movie. Like I, I I really, really loved when things sort of got started. Like once the signal comes, I was on board. And I think that, um, you know, this, this doesn't quite have, um, uh, you know the the eight uh the super eight style um story where it's like a bunch of kids doing something way beyond their means and encountering some sort of alien force. This is like a more pared down. These two people who live there, like whose jobs involve these interest instruments that pick up radio frequencies and, and just I, I don't know. There 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 was something fun about the way they inter- interacted with the city. Um, you know, th- this is a town that's so small that literally everybody is busy and almost nobody <laughs> is, is participating in the story with the people that we are following. Um, but there's theoretically something huge that's happening in the world. Um, and these are the only two people who know about it. Um, save for the other people they encounter as they're trying to track down what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It reminded me of the old stories that I, that I really like. Um, And even though, like, if you really think about it, this film is really, at its base, it's two really, really long exposition dumps. Um, And somehow that 
is incredibly entertaining. <laughs> and, yeah, I, and I think a hundred percent. And I think both of them sort of one is just strictly curiosity. And then one is a little bit more heightened. Uh, uh, it's not spooky, but it's like, it's, it's a little bit of hair on the back of your neck sort of yeah, story the second bit. time. Yeah. And, and I think that this film, it's, it's, it's strange how little is technically here because most of this film is just fluff. It is, it is a bunch of push-ins on characters' faces as they open car doors and things. It is, let's drag the camera around the g- ground and, and show somebody's feet running for five minutes just to pad the runtime of it. Because I, I think this is, honestly, this is an episode of a television show. This is 30 minutes of actual content, and then it's stretched Ooh, to be 90 I, I disagree. I think the way they play with time in this movie is great. I, I think the the connective tissue is like totally necessary to making it all work in the rhythm that it works. I, I was so into all the little slice of life stuff that they fill it with. In addition to the, it, it makes the long conversations more, they hit harder because there's the feeling that like motion can still happen in between them. I, I, I loved the timing of this movie. I would not want to have wanted it to be shorter than it was. So, so you, you really need him to borrow that kid's trombone for absolutely no reason and then return it later yeah. for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. That was introducing us to the characters at the beginning. That was great. I know, but not. I. I yeah, it's it's fine. I. I just. I Go just watch think before that, sunrise again, Chris. <laughs> no, no, but I mean that film is doing something very, very specific, right? It's it's showing us a moment of just these two people in their own world um, doing their own thing and having conversations that people would have if they met each other for the first time. These are two people that we already know. And the only reason they're having this conversation is because she ordered a tape recorder at, out of the back of a magazine. Like, they already have a relationship. They already know each other. They already constantly interact on a daily basis, and they're familiar with each other. So there's nothing about that conversation that is actually a first-time conversation. It's, it's all fluff. How... Let, let's write some dialogue of this like small town in whatever city it is and have these kids like have flashy moments back and forth. Like it, it felt like a lot of pizzazz um, that doesn't technically amount to anything. Like the story is really about the last shot and two conversations and then everything else uh, is I, just I, I, I just think the, the rhythm of it, you know, it, it's like a music piece, right? There are the big melodies but there's a build-up there's the other stuff i yeah. i loved the opening of this movie it, that all worked on me a thousand percent no it, it had flavor but it but yeah. it, i i just felt that like it wasn't it didn't increase the product it just was like that's a lot of flavor <laughs> like honestly i think i would have enjoyed this movie if it had only been that flavor <laughs> i think i still would have liked it if they were just walking around the town discussing what the future was going to look like one day i i just part of it just comes down to the the actors i don't think i know either of these i'm not sure i've seen them in anything before but i thought they were just so charming and perfect for the roles that they were playing it really really in again in a nod to the spielberg type films like it's precocious kids basically like acting like adults acting kind of older than they are but it, it just worked so well i man, i i had a lot of tenderness for this movie yeah no no i i did as well i just i i think my my nostalgia tingles were like so overly stimulated compared to like the flashy uh uh rhythm tingles if that makes yeah. sense 
Yeah, well, because you, you say rhythm, and I do think there is a percussion to this movie, like a literal percussion, too. In the beginning, it took me a while to hone in on there's this kind of sound you're hearing in the background while they talk that is like, I think it's drums or it's like a kind of vague percussion that slowly builds and builds. And the the whole movie is playing with that, like the sound of pulling a cable in and out of, you know, a switchboard. There's just yeah. a lot of like a rhythm to it, like thoroughbreds or something. Right. And it that rhythm fading with the the mixed signals, the crosstalk, the kind of eerie sense that things are fluctuating. It, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just think the tone is really masterfully built in this movie. And there's a lot of nice touches that I like, too. Like, they're walking through a dirt path, and there's these circular lights directly above them that are a thousand percent reminiscent of UFOs, right? Just yeah, yeah. It, It's like this little wink at the beginning of what it's going to be. Um, I thought I was so clever for looking at the radio name WOTW and thinking, whoa, you know, that could be War of the Worlds. And then I Googled and like a billion people said it immediately. <laughs> um, but, but still, I, I thought there were nice little throwbacks. And I just think, I think the patter was good too. Like uh, there's a scene around the middle of this movie where a power outage has taken place and new characters are introduced for basically the first time in the film. And there's this moment when they all meet and it is a four person crosstalk where they're just having two completely different conversations at the same time. And yeah. I, there was just something so fun about the way this played. I, I, I really liked it. And I was kind of bummed when we were listening to the trailer just now and realizing that the scene in the car is revealed in the trailer. Cause I had not seen a trailer for this movie. I didn't watch anything about it before seeing it. And I loved going into that scene blind. I thought it was just, it, it was perfect because there are the two centerpieces, but then it is accelerating towards something. And I think it does that really, really well. I, I, I think in that scene, I don't know if you were watching it or just listening to it on your end. Um, just listening. But I feel like there, it, it, it's, that scene is taking place, but the camera is only focused on the back seats of the car. Yeah. And you don't have any context for anything that's happening outside of that space. So I, I think it was a little bit, it's still it's still saving some um some stuff there. Yeah. It's not too bad. Have you have you ever listened to Welcome to Night Vale? No. Is that one of those story podcasts? Yeah, it's like a narrative podcast co- comedy of sorts, but not really comedy. It's about a fictional town in the Southwest, like in the desert where basically conspiracy theories are real and it's little radio broadcasts that are happening from the town and this i i've never been a dedicated listener but i've listened to a couple episodes and this reminded me of that joy of just like inventing a world where everyone is kind of separated and you just have the radio and you have these little signals and you're hoping someone will call in and give more information and yeah there was just something about that that lonely desert vibe that i really i really liked here that that is the the one thing that this film does that's really funny is the it's a small town that requires a switchboard operator for anybody to make calls but these two people are trying to both do something in the radio station and patch in calls that could be coming in for the radio station and like that juggling of having to be like moving back and forth and like oh if we're here we can't be there and if we're there we can't be here how do we make this whole thing happen i thought that was a fun a fun dance that was in there yeah i I do have I, i i have one more legit complaint and then one not it's not actually a complaint but it's a thing that i couldn't help but think while watching this film um so the the one complaint is 
um how magic is this microphone on this little tape recorder because they are <laughs> never holding it close to anybody's mouth ever and they're supposedly having yeah. this like perfect audio recording and and for all the attention to detail they do on what type of recordings and these different reel-to-reel machines and how good or bad they are it seemed like they should have like acted like they were actually recording people's voice um yeah that that's the one real complaint the the second thing which is not a complaint but i just they it had to be a fake baby she was running through the city holding all the time right there 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 are scenes where this I hope so. <laughs> very young girl is just booking it hold it's not even a baby it's like a toddler and she is just booking it booking it in like uneven ground and stuff and i was like hold, how are they filming this this has to be a fake is this a cg baby is it a, just a a stuffed baby and did they basically take the baby from a uh, American sniper. Yeah, American sniper. Like, what? What is going on here? Um, I I couldn't watch those scenes and not fear that she was gonna trip. And like, I was like, who's in charge of this fucking shoot? Because that person needs to like call social services or something. Oh, Christopher, you a devil dog? She was just running around. <laughs> I, I did like the pattern, just the way they they talked in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about the baby too. This movie does um. It puts a baby in some danger uh, in the world of the film, at least in a way that yeah. heightens the stakes yeah. in a way that feels very seats? retro too. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like a modern film wouldn't use that as much. Um, yeah. So you mentioned to me at the, before watching this movie about compression, that basically Amazon streamed this in such a way that it was very blocky and especially the, the night shots. It was sometimes hard to make out what was going on. I still don't know if that was Amazon or if some of that was just intentional about the style of this movie because everything <laughs> is kind of hazy and blocky. And there are scenes, especially toward the end, where I don't think you're supposed to really see what is happening. I, I think this movie is playing a lot with the, with the old-timey feel of like everything is a little bit vague and you can't really make out what you're seeing in the shadows. I It, it kind of worked on me, but if that was it, accidental then shame on amazon because that was major <laughs> compression yeah yeah that that was really really bad um yeah because I, I was there there was something you see at the end of the film and right before that you're just looking at a space a gap in some trees um and i couldn't for the life of me tell if that was a gap in some trees or if there was something in that gap <laughs> um yeah so yeah, for, for me, because I, I, I stream this, I did not download it beforehand. And that, that's why I texted you is because I was like, man, this is hard to watch on some of these uh, dark, dark, dark scenes. Yep. Cool. Well, any last thoughts, Stephen, about The Vast of Night? No, no, I think I'm good. Just that I was super into it. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephen Miller, let's get to verdicts. If you're going to give this a must-see, record with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving this a must-see. I just thought this was a delightful movie. And the fact that they did it with so little, like what had to be a kind of shoestring budget, I feel like it's just remarkable. And it's just, it, it's just so much fun that they managed to pull this off. Um, yeah, I, I think that I liked it as much as you, but I don't think it's as good as you liked it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I mean, based on your reaction to it, 
it seems like it appeals to people, whether it's just this pure nostalgia hit of like being the type of story I would have been um, obsessed with, like right out of high school or even before that. Um, so I'll, I'll still give it a must see. Um, but I definitely feel like um, if I didn't have that nostalgia hit, I probably would have rated this a little bit lower. Um, but I really, really like those two long dialogue scenes that this um, film hinges on. And I think like to me, that and the ending are the entire film. And you could throw out the allusion to um, uh, Twilight Zone and you could throw out some of the style and fluff in the rest of the film. Um, but it's very entertaining. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all the kind of stuff I love from a very reduced, simple uh, alien uh, extraterrestrial type story. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this review of The Vast of Night. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning, facebook.com slash the spoiler warning, or instagram.com slash the spoiler warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spoiler warning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Vast of Night. So hopefully you're enjoying that. That is it. We are done for this week. We will be watching something else next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out what that's going to be Friday night and uh, we'll be back Monday night with uh, another few reviews. <laughs> yeah. And Hey, if you're a listener and you've got any ideas, any tips that you want to send our way about what we might want to watch, then go ahead and give us a ring, call the operator, let them know you want to <laughs> talk to the spoiler warning and the best idea, we're going to send you a piece of David Chen's rug. That's right. Dave Chen's <laughs> rug direct to you, to the first two callers who let us know what movies come out next weekend. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>